to speak. Have you right. Amen. Our God. He is. Yes, he is. He's alive. In him we live. And we survive. From dust. Our God. Created man. He is our God. Is, am I right about it? The great, I, I said the great, he, only he can claim that he's the great I am. Y'all remember back there in the Old Testament, said, what, 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 what shall I say? Who are you? Just tell him I am that I am. That's all it is, right? Yes, that's it. That's the whole story right there. Amen and amen. So good to be in the house of God, among the people of God, preaching the word of God. So good to see your faces here this morning. If you're visiting this morning and you were looking for a brother Bethel, well, let that be your incentive to come back next week. He is out enjoying him and his wife, their anniversary. I'm not sure how many years it is, but it's a whole lot. How, who said it? 37. 37. Amen. Amen. We're catching up, Lise. We want to pray for them that they just enjoy that celebration. It's a wonderful thing to uh, be married that long. I know there's some folk out here have been married a little bit longer. Maybe a little bit shorter, but the Bible says marriage is honorable. And we want to give honor where honor is due. So when the time comes out, say, I'm one of those few brothers who remembers my anniversary date. Don't mess with me. Come on, man. It's May 16th. Now. That's right, ain't it, Liz? Had to, had to check that. So good to be with you this morning. And again, if you're visiting our service, we want you to know you're our honored guest. The seat that you're sitting in was reserved just for you. And we're so grateful that you're occupying it this morning. Uh, East Baltimore, we just expect to see you and always grateful to you, grateful for you. We uh, want to keep uh, Sister Gail Harrison and Sister Helen Spann in your prayers. Uh, they lost their father on yesterday. 96 years. Now, the Bible talks about three score and ten, so, so 96, that's, that's, that's all right. But we want to uh, continue to keep them in your prayers, that God will comfort them at this time. And uh, all those who are just dealing with issues of concern, whatever it may be, you'll have an opportunity to 
send up your prayer request later on in the service as the brethren come and bring their request to you. But we just want to uh, thank you for being here Amen. this morning. Is that all right? Amen. All right. Now, got a lot to go over this morning. Hope y'all brought your Bibles. Hope y'all ready. Amen. We're going to do some traveling. Is that all right? Amen. We're in the book of Acts. I'm going to give you the title. We're going to read our scripture together in just a few minutes. But I want to set the stage for what we want to talk about. Here's my title. Has some inspiration for this as well. I won't, I won't say anything about that, but they'll know it when they hear it. Here's my title, if you're taking notes. What is the disposition of your deposition? What's the disposition of your deposition? Now, y'all got that, right? All right. All right. Y'all stay with me. Stay with me. Uh, we need to define it first. Now, a, a disposition is described as a natural tendency. It involves temper or temperament. It's the characteristics of an individual. Their, their spin on things, their reaction to things, and their propensity to respond in a given situation or circumstance. It's how we act or react to things. Now, a deposition has several meanings. But in this case, for purposes of our message this morning, it's the written testimony of a sworn witness. But biblically, it refers to the taking down of Christ's body from the cross. The word deposit is contained in this word. And it could infer that Jesus was taken down off the cross and deposited in a tomb. Jesus' death and glorious resurrection from the tomb became the down payment or the deposit for the remission of our sins and our salvation in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, now, now when we put these two together, what's the disposition of your deposition? When we put these two together, we're just asking, what is your response? What is your reaction to the testimony of the witnesses? What's your response to the story of Jesus? What is your reaction to the gospel message? How does your temperament relate to the testimony? Okay. Is that all right? Okay. I'm going to need some water, man, because we, we're going to do some traveling. Amen. Amen. Now, the Apostle Paul has been extremely busy in these verses in chapters 21 through 23. That's how far we're going, so y'all stay with me. And throughout these verses, he's been giving his deposition. And the disposition of those who've heard his deposition are both varied and controversial. Now, all this is occurring after receiving and speaking to the Ephesian elders in Miletus towards the end of Acts chapter 20. Uh, and here uh, in chapter 21, the Bible says, now we're, we're in verses 1 through 4 of Acts chapter 21. We'll get to our text in a sec. 
And it came to pass that after we were gotten from them and had launched, we became a we came with a straight course unto Kos, and the day following unto Rhodes, and from thence into Patra. And finding a ship sailing over unto Phoenicia, we went abroad and set forth. Now when we had discovered Cyprus, we left it on the left hand and sailed into Syria and landed at Tyre, for there the ship was to unlaid their burden, her burden. And finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. Amen. In our text, in verses 10 through 14, now this one we're going to read together. Is that all right? Y'all got your Bibles open? I'm not going to do a Bible chat. We're just going to start reading. We start at verse 10. Is that all right? All right. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when he heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, what mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be persuaded, we cease saying, the will of the Lord be done. Is that in your Bibles? These disciples who love Paul are telling him out of fear and genuine concern not to go to Jerusalem. This is their disposition. But here again, Paul's deposition in verse 13. What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? Why are you trying to make me sin? For I'm ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Imagine being at an airport or a bus station or a port, seeing one of our servicemen or women preparing to deploy across the ocean, across the desert, across the world, and that fear we try to suppress that we may never see them again. Perhaps this was in the mind of those disciples. But when they realized that Paul's course was clear, Paul's mission was set, Paul's purpose and intent was evident, Paul's deposition changed their disposition. And the Bible says in verse 14, and when he would not be persuaded, we see saying we stopped fussing about it and just said, well, the will of the Lord be done. Sometimes that's all you need. Amen. And in verses 15 and 16, the Bible says that some of them even went with him. 
Paul's traveling companions would not abandon him, even with the potential for trouble. And that, my friends, begs the question this morning, are we willing to go anywhere for Jesus? See, when we realize that going anywhere for Jesus means going anywhere with Jesus, then your deposition becomes your disposition. See, the deed becomes the decision and the decision becomes the deed. I'm willing to go anywhere for Jesus because I'm ready to go everywhere with Jesus. And that, my friends, means that anywhere we go, the gospel of Jesus needs to go with us. Amen, somebody. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4 and 5, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. This is the disposition of his deposition. This is my temperament. This is my testimony. This is my stance. And this is my statement. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We sing a song like that. Say, this is my story. This is my song. Amen. Praising my Savior all the day long. Every minute of every hour. That's another song. I need thee every hour. Help me, somebody. Paul said, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to be persecuted. I'm ready to be accosted. I'm ready to be arrested. And I'm ready to die for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we're not asking all of you to do that. We're simply asking this morning if you're willing to declare your deposition and make your disposition coincide with your deposition. Do you walk the talk and do you talk the walk? When it's time for your testimony, will you testify or will you test the lie, the truth? Amen, somebody. Now, now, now look with me. We're back in the Bible. Look with me in verses 17 through 20. Now, so we're going to do some reading this morning, but y'all get it. Uh, when, see, we're, 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 we're looking at the deposition this morning and making sure it don't change our disposition. Is that all right? Uh, we're in verse 17 of Acts 21. And when we were come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. And the day following, Paul went in with us unto James, and all the elders were present. And when he had saluted them, he declared particularly what things God had wrought among the Gentiles by his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord and said unto him, Thou seest, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are which believe, and they are all zealous of the law. Paul is asked in the verses following, verses 23 through 26, to enter the temple with four other men who've taken a vow, the Nazarite vow, as per Jewish custom. And again, this is through the verses 23 through 26. And he's asked to participate with them in the ritual of the seven days of purification under Jewish law. 
Now this practice is covered in Numbers chapter 6. That'd be your homework. You can check that out. Now he's demonstrating to the Jewish Christians that he's not totally abandoned Jewish customs, but those customs were not binding on the Gentile converts. Salvation and the gospel message is through Christ alone and in Christ alone. See, his disposition hasn't changed his deposition. But, but look at what happens. Look at verses 27 and 28. And when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews which were of Asia, when they saw him in the temple, stirred up all the people and laid hands on him, crying out, men of Israel, help. This is the man that teacheth all men everywhere against the people and the law and this place and further brought Greeks also into the temple and hath polluted this holy place. Now go on down verses 30 and 31. And all the city was moved and the people ran together and they took Paul and drew him out of the temple and forthwith the doors were shut. And as they went about to kill him, Tidings came unto the chief captain of the band that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. Riot going on. Paul's presence has stirred up a riot. The people are beating him and calling for his death. The soldiers come and arrest him in verses 32 through 39. And Paul asked the, the chief captain if he can address the people. Now, the tumult is so bad. The folks are, are, are clamoring so much and rioting so much, trying to get after Paul, that the soldiers literally have to lift Paul up and carry him through the crowd, through the press of the people who are trying to get at him. See what happens when you try to preach the truth. See, folk just come at you. Now, 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 look, but look here at verse 40. And when they had given him license, Paul stood on the stairs and beckoned with the hand unto the people. And there was made a great silence, and he spake unto them in the Hebrew tongue. So he asked the chief captain if he can address the people. And he's about to give his deposition to the crown. This is in verses 1 and 2, starting in verses 1 and 2. Now, look at this. First of all, in verse 40, look what it says here. He beckoned with his hand unto the people. As mad as they were, as upset were they were, when he put his hand up, they started to calm down and get quiet. So there was made a great silence, and he started to speak. Look at verse, 20, uh, verse 1 and 2 of verse 22. Men and brethren and fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make now unto you. And when they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the more silent. Man, look at their disposition as he begins his deposition. He tells them of his education and his former occupation in verses 3 through 5. He tells them of his conversion in verses 6 through 16. He receives this new commission to preach the gospel to the Gentiles in verses 17 through 21. He gives them his deposition. But look at 
their disposition in verses 22 and 23. Now we're in uh, chapter 22. Look at 22 and 23. And they gave him audience unto this word and then lifted up their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. And as they cried out and cast off their clothes and threw dust into the air. Now, the soldiers are still trying to figure out how and why the riot occurred. And so they commenced to whip Paul to force his testimony. Now, in verse 25, the Bible says, and as they bound him with thongs, Paul said unto the centurion that stood by, is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman? and uncondemned. Now, verse 26 and following. When the centurion heard that, he went and told the chief captain, saying, take heed what thou doest. This man's a Roman. He's a Roman citizen. Then the chief captain came and said unto him, tell me, art thou a Roman? He said, yea. And the chief captain answered, with a great sum, I obtained this freedom. And Paul said, but I was freeborn. See, you had to pay for yours. I was born this way. Help me, somebody. And then straight away, they departed from him, which should have examined him. And the chief captain also was afraid after he knew that he was a Roman. See, you couldn't be messing with Roman citizens without getting in trouble. See, unless you were tried and convicted, you better not touch nobody if he's a Roman citizen. He said, and now he's afraid, and because he had bound him. On the morrow... Because he would have known the certainty wherefore he was accused of the Jews, he loosed him from his bands and commanded the chief priests and all their council to appear and brought Paul down and set him before them. See how your deposition changes the disposition of those around you? See, when you speak the truth, you can shut the liar's mouth. When you speak the truth, chains can't bind you. When you speak the truth, prisons can't hold you. When you speak the truth, the haters can't hurt you. Because who the Son sets free is free indeed. Jesus said in John 8 and 32, And you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What's the disposition of your deposition? Amen, somebody. See, and now... Now we're in chapter 23. And now Paul is standing before the Sanhedrin council in verse 30 and proceeding into chapter 23. And he again offers up his deposition. Now, now we got to read this. But I want you to understand something. I've been deposed about five or six times in the course of my job. When you're being deposed, there are two sets of lawyers in the room. One side wants you to tell your story. The other side wants to twist your story. See, one side wants to defend your story, and the other side wants to debunk and deride and derail and denounce and destroy your testimony. See, our lives as Christians should be a constant, consistent, and committed declaration of our faith. See, there are those who, who want you 
want you to question your conversion, yes, to slander the Savior, to push you into promiscuity, to guide you to ungodliness, to break you, to berate you, to beat you down for daring to follow Jesus. See, if they can change your disposition, they can change your deposition. And by questioning your deposition, they can change your disposition. But here's Paul in chapter 23. And his disposition changes the hearer's disposition. Look at this. And Paul, earnestly beholding the council, said, men and brethren, I've lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded them that stood by him to smite him on the mouth. Then Paul said unto him, God shall smite thee, thou whited wall. Now let me talk about that. Whitewash. Whitewash is like a, a, a thin coat of paint that's used to cover up something dirty. He starts talking, and the priest says, shut him up. See, you can hit me all you want to. See, you might, wanna, you might want to knock me out, but you can't put me out. Uh, amen. Now, see, 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 you're trying to get me to shut up, but what you're trying to do is cover up. Amen. And then, now he says, he, and, and Paul said unto him, God shall smite thee, thou whited wall, for sittest thou to judge me after the law, and commandest me to be smitten contrary to the law. And they that stood by said, Revilest thou God's high priest? Then said Paul, I wish not, brethren, I didn't know that he was the high priest. For it's written, Thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of the people. Sometimes, while you're making your deposition, you got to change your disposition okay. and repent. Amen. That's right. All right. I, you know, he hit me. I said something. They said, well, no, 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 that's the man. Oh, that's the man. I'm sorry. Sometimes you got to repent. Okay. Amen. But that's all he's doing. He's not changing his deposition. Okay. All right. He says, but when Paul perceived, look at this. That the one part was Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, men and brethren, I'm a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee of the hope and resurrection of the dead. I am called in question. And when he said so said, there arose dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the multitude was divided. See, for the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, neither angels nor spirits, but the Pharisees confess both. And there arose a great cry, and the scribes that were of the Pharisees part arose and strove, saying, look at this, we find no evil in this man. But if a spirit or an angel have spoken to him, let us not fight against God. And when there arose a great dissension, the, the chief captain Fearing lest Paul should have been pulled in pieces of them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him by force from among them and to bring him into the castle. Paul says, you can't renounce me because I'm an Israelite. You can't rebuke me because I've had the same teacher as you, Gamaliel. You can't beat me because I'm a Roman citizen. And you can't judge me because I'm a Pharisee. 
See, you can't break me because I'm a child of the most high God. This is his disposition and his deposition. And look here at verse 11. And the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Ooh, man, be of good cheer. For as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. Isn't it good to know that in the midst of you testifying, when you're delivering your testimony and you know the trials are coming, you know the trials are here, that, that things are just bearing down on you. Isn't it good to know, man, just to know, man, God's just standing right there and said, look at my soldier. Look at my servant. See, he hasn't changed his disposition. He hasn't changed his deposition. See, we got to make sure that as we are testifying for the Lord Jesus, we got to be reminded of the fact God is still with us. In the midst of trial and tribulation, God is still ready to give us an attaboy. Amen. Go with me just a little further. In verses 12 through 15, the Jews plot to assassinate Paul. They, they still ain't done. And some 40 individuals have conspired with the chief priests and elders, and they've made a vow that they will not eat or drink until they've killed him. Can you imagine people hating you so much, fearing you so much, despising you so much that they want nothing more than to see you dead? Because of the disposition of your deposition. Paul's nephew learns of the conspiracy and directs him to the chief captain of the Roman guard in verses 16 through 22. And the chief captain responds over here. Let's look together at verses 23 and 24. And he called unto him two centurions, saying, make ready 200 soldiers to go to Caesarea and horsemen threescore and ten, and spearmen two hundred, at the third hour of the night, and provide them beasts, horses, that they may set Paul on and bring him safe unto Felix the governor. Look at that. When you stand on your convictions, so you can motivate others to intercede on your behalf. Who remembers the Little Rock Nine, yes, sir. being sent to school under a military escort in Arkansas in 1957. Y'all know that? Yeah. You Google it. Some of us know it. You, know. you young folks, Google it. The Little Rock Nine. Those, those, those children, this was an attempt to integrate public schools where historically only whites were allowed. And so they had to, to escort the kids to school under an armed guard. Think about that. And now here, we see Paul being escorted out of the city under guard, protected from his enemies. Oh, man, I got to stop right there. What kind of hedge has God put around you when your disposition becomes your deposition? Do you remember when? See, I could stop right there. See, everybody could, everybody could tell, talk about that. 
Do you remember when? And then you put in your little thing, whatever it was. Do you remember when the bill was due? Do you remember when we was getting ready to lose the house? Do you remember when I got the note from the doctor? Do you remember when I lost my job? Do you remember when we was fussing and fighting? You were talking about, I'm going to leave you, boy. Do you remember when the kids were out of control? Do you remember when I was getting ready to put out of my house? Do you remember? Everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a testimony. But what's the disposition of your deposition? And does your deposition change your disposition? How many hedges has God put up around you that you didn't even know was there? Help me, somebody. You get a bad prognosis on Monday. Doctor says we're going to take some tests. You take the tests on Tuesday, and Friday you get some good news. Nothing there. Don't tell me. God's not in the fixing business. When your enemies got you surrounded, he'll put that hedge around you. He'll protect you. He'll carry you. He'll guide you. He'll direct you. He'll lead you to safety. See, this is the disposition of our deposition. Help me, somebody. See, the chief captain sends a note to Governor Felix advising him of the situation. Now we're in verses 34 and 35. And when the governor had read the letter, he asked of what province he was. And when he understood that he was of Cilicia, he said, I will hear thee, said he, when mine accusers, then when thine accusers are also come. And he commanded him to be kept in Herod's Judgment Hall. One day, you and I will stand in God's Judgment Hall. And I stopped by to tell you, you need a disposition that aligns with your deposition. When you do a deposition, there's a transcript that becomes part of the record. See, your written testimony is based on your spoken testimony. Did y'all hear that? See, and the judge reviewing the case has only to read, to review the record, to know what he read is what you said. Paul's deposition was what he said. And from what we read, we know his deposition. It was all the way back there in Acts 21. I'm ready not only to be bound, but I'm ready to die in Jerusalem, wherever you send me, for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's disposition became his deposition. He was tried before Felix. In Acts 24, and he gave his deposition. He was tried before Festus in Acts 25, and he gave his deposition. He was tried before King Agrippa in Acts 26, and he gave his deposition. 
He'd been beaten. He'd been incarcerated. He'd been persecuted, but neither his disposition nor his deposition wavered. He said before Felix, they can't prove a thing. They've accused me of. He said before Festus, I haven't offended anyone, not the Jews, not the temple, not even Emperor Caesar. But if I have, send me to Rome and let him judge me. He said before Agrippa, don't you believe what the prophets have said? I know you believe. And his disposition almost changed Agrippa's disposition. The gospel of Christ still has the power to persuade. But we need servants. We need soldiers. We need seed sowers. And we need to make our deposition, our disposition. What we are is what we believe. And what we believe is what we speak. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I like that verse over there in Hebrews 13. He said that so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. What's the disposition of your deposition? What's your disposition today? If you've not obeyed the gospel, you're not in Christ. See, being in Christ means you've heard his word. You've heard the testimony. You've read the deposition. And you believe it. You've repented of your sins because your disposition up to this point is that you're a sinner, just like the rest of us. And you stand a guilty distance from God. But it means you've confessed Jesus as Lord. It means being baptized in water for the remission of your sins. It means you understand your disposition, and now you've read the deposition, and now you understand the Great Commission. That I need to hear and obey the gospel of Christ. I need to repent of my sins. I need to confess him as Lord. I need to be baptized, because that's what he said. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned. You've heard the testimony. Do you believe it? What's your disposition this morning? If you're not a child of God, you ought to be. And why would you wait for it? The Bible says now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. If you're here and you're standing a guilty distance from God. You've heard the message. All Paul has been preaching from verse 20, from chapter 21, all the way through to chapter 26, has been the gospel of Jesus Christ. And some folk heard it, but wouldn't heed it. Agrippa said, I'm almost persuaded. Paul, to be, to be Christian, just to make sure we got it, right? Amen, somebody. If you're here, why not this morning? All you need to do is come down this aisle. The song, I think, of invitation is what? Just as I am? It's just come just as you are. 
I don't care who you are. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. God knows all of it. See, when you confess Jesus as Lord, you're not telling him all the stuff you did. You're not even telling us all the stuff you did. God already knows what you did. He was with you last night. He was with all of us last night. Help me, somebody. You see, some of us sometimes need to fill out a card. Amen, somebody. But that's all right, too, because if you woke up this morning, you had a chance to get it right with him before you got here. Now, I'm not saying don't fill out a card, but you know, why don't you get it right with God when he opened up your eye? If you was messed up yesterday, you just as messed up this morning, but he woke you up. He brought you here. Say, thank you, Jesus. What's your disposition? In accordance with the deposition. If you're here, stop wasting time. You ain't wasting God's time. He has an eternity. He's the author of eternity. All you have is today. All you have is right now. If you know what, you can talk about leaving here and going to get a piece of chicken after this all you want to. What if you don't make it out that door? What if before we get done here, somebody got to call a paramedic? Whatever your fate is, just a short walk from here is a pool of water. Then there's nothing mystical, twistical in the water. See, baptism is a going down into and a coming up out of. You go into that water and you come out of that water a new creature in Christ Jesus. See, repentance produces a change in mind and a change in heart. And I'm trying to get it right. So all I need to do, understanding who Jesus is, is confess that he is Lord. And come and be baptized. Have your sins washed away. Acts 16 and 22. 22 and 16. Sorry about that, Larry. (laughs) Calling on the name of the Lord. If you're here, and this is what you want, it's available to you right now. The water is ready. The baptizer is ready. The church is ready. The Lord is ready. Heaven is ready. Are you ready? Why don't you come and get it right now? As we together stand and sing. Won't you come? Just as I am.